Today's gospel reading is from the Good News According to Matthew, chapter 5, beginning at verse 13. You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how can its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything, but is thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hidden. No one after lighting a lamp puts it under the bushel basket, but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have come not to abolish, but to fulfill. For truly, I tell you, until heaven and earth pass away, not one letter, not one stroke of a letter will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. The Gospel of Christ. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. So I'm just going to deal with the first half of today's reading this week, and maybe we'll deal with the other half next week. Um, just to give you a heads up, because somebody will say, why didn't you talk about the, the, the law part at the end? And I'll say, next time. <laughs> Let us pray. We have heard the good news, God, that you are good. That you send the rains on the just and the unjust alike. And we pray that your Holy Spirit would fall like rain and wash us, refresh us, and renew us today in the hearing of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. So today, we're back in the first chapter of the Sermon on the Mount that we began yesterday, or last week. You'll remember that this sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, contains a lot of Jesus' most well-known teachings. Last week, we heard the Beatitudes, and you probably saw Sarah's great video online, Let the Beatitudes Be Our Attitudes. It was great. Um, if you didn't see it, then subscribe, bonus, subscribe to our newsletter, and this is the type of content that we're that we're sending out. Um, later on, Jesus teaches his disciples how to pray using what we've come to know as the Lord's Prayer. And this week, we've got a couple of metaphors. We've got a couple of metaphors. A couple of Jesus' most well-known figures of speech for what it means to follow him. You're the salt of the earth, 
and you're the light of the world. You're the salt of the earth and the light of the world. Now, first, salt of the earth. Now, I'm not sure I'd take it as a compliment if somebody described me as salty. Um, too much salt turns food bitter, overwhelms its taste. Probably not what Jesus means. And once my grandmother described her disgust with an R-rated movie by decrying its salty language, again, probably not what Jesus means. And it's apparently a term also for somebody in the Navy who spent a ton of time out at sea. So, salty on account of overexposure to seawater. Again, probably not what Jesus means. To understand what Jesus means, you have to think about salt but not on its own. You have to think about salt in its relation to what it does with food. Salt purifies, it preserves, it pickles, and salt seasons. My wife Cheyenne was reading a cookbook recently, and an author describes salt as a generous ingredient in that it doesn't draw attention to itself as an ingredient, but exists to bring out the flavor in the main ingredient. It can turn bland vegetable savory, and it can make a so-so steak sublime. It takes the already existing background and brings it to the foreground. It takes something subtle and makes it more obvious. Now, this is what Jesus means when he calls us the salt of the earth. Of course, in this case, he's not talking about bringing about, out the taste in food. He's talking about coaxing out the flavor of the cosmos the world, the earth. And the main ingredient that's being brought to the fore, it's, well, it's, it's God. God is the main ingredient. I mean, I love how Eugene Peterson puts it in his message paraphrase of the Bible. You're here, he says, you're here to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of the earth. I mean, the way that he says it is a little awkward, but it gets at what Jesus is getting at. God's the main ingredient in life. God's always there, but God isn't always obvious, not immediately recognizable in all of our ups and downs, especially the downs. The novelist Flannery O'Connor said that in the story, in, said that in her stories and novels, God was always there, not right up front, but darting from tree to tree. God was in the background. So like salt, Jesus' disciples are there to bring God from the background, back here, to the foreground, front and center, to be, make God less subtle and more obvious. This is in contrast with making ourselves the main ingredient in life, to put ourselves at the center of things. The very nature of salt, being salt means that you're not about you. Without salt, there's no survival, this is true, but salt on its own is bitter and will kill you. I mean, no wonder so many of us feel so spiritually lost. We are worshiping creatures. We're meaning-making creatures. We desire to love and serve something bigger than ourselves, but the modern world encourages us to be salt without substance, to put our desires, our own needs, our virtues, our own preferences above all else. No wonder if we feel so thirsty for meaning. Because putting our own selves or any other human being at the center of life is bound to leave us spiritually bitter and malnourished. 
we're tempted to make our faith all about us. But it's certain to leave our souls high and dry. I love these metaphors. You can just keep spinning stuff off them. To be the salt of the earth means to help the world, as the psalmist says, to taste and see that God is good. We become ourselves, not by ourselves, but only by bringing the main ingredient, God, to the fore, like salt. Like salt, we're not just for ourselves, but we're for the earth, for the world. And this is where the second metaphor comes in, and it's kind of a double down on the first one. You're the salt of the earth, Jesus says, and you are the light of the world, the light of the world. Again, Eugene Peterson's message translation is helpful. God is not a secret to be kept, he says. We're going public with this. I mean, Eugene Peterson tries to kind of be cool, but ends up kind of being like, like if I were to try to be cool. But it's still good. We're going public with this. As public as a city on the hill, if, you may, if I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a basket, do you? I'm putting you on a light stand. Now that I've put you there on a hilltop, on a light stand, Shine. You are the light of the world. Jesus says that we're like lamps, lamps lit by God, kindled by Jesus, the light of the world. In the same way, salt doesn't exist for its own sake. We aren't just the recipients of life-giving grace, but we are. We aren't delivered life-changing good news. We aren't given salvation, healing, wholeness, just so we can tuck it under our hats and keep it to ourselves. Remember last week's refrain, God blesses broken people, and blessed people bless broken people. This lamp's not meant for the storage closet. This human hardware was developed to de-shadow the whole world. Because the world is a dark place. So many of us are scared, suffering, in pain, and fearful. It's hard to make our way without stumbling without knowing where to go. It's hard to see the light at the end of the tunnel sometimes, and Jesus is the light of the world, the one that gives us exactly those things, purpose, peace, guidance, hope, a future. These are the life-giving gifts of God to be shared, to spread out to a world in need. In the same way that salt is meant to season, this little light of mine is meant to shine. You are the light of the world, Jesus says. Now, you may have been sitting there and you're kind of getting a little anxious, a little nervous, because this is the part where the united churchiest part of me gets nervous. The united churchiest part of me gets really worried because we're talking about the E word. The E word. What? Evangelism evangelism, sharing the good news with other people. <sighs> I mean, the fact that it makes us nervous is completely understandable. I mean, have you ever said to somebody, I'm a Christian, but not that kind of Christian? Or, I go to church, but it's not what you think. You know, I zipped up my collar at, I was wearing my clergy collar, and I zipped it up at a coffee shop recently because somebody else was worried about being seen with a minister. 
know. Gandhi once said, Gandhi once said that he was very fond of Christ, but not so much Christians because they were so unlike Christ. Right? All sorts of sins, name them. Racism, sexism, homophobia, judgmentalism, nationalism, moralism, arrogance, and downright jerkiness have left countless people with a bitter taste. So it made, makes sense that we try to avoid saltiness by blending in or to turn down the Jesus light as to not shine a big old cross-shaped spotlight on ourselves. There's a lot of baggage that comes with the E-word. At the same time, though, you know, I'm willing to share my favorite restaurants with friends. You got to try this. It'll change your life. I share countless old-school country songs on social media with friends as well. You've got to listen to this. Merle Haggard, change your life. And we're willing to plaster our favorite products over social media because we feel like other people need to know just how awesome they are because their lives will be the better for it. But God's life-changing grace, boundless forgiveness, never-ending faith, hope, and love in Jesus Christ, this thing that gives meaning and makes my life worthwhile, well, I hope that maybe other people stumble across it, you know, through Wikipedia, following one of those links at the bottom of the page. But Jesus says plainly and clearly that salt that doesn't have flavor might as well be tossed in the street as a de-icer. The lamp belongs in the stand and not in the closet. What we've been given is meant to be shared. Or to put it another way, grace always comes to us on the way to somebody else. Grace always comes to us on the way to somebody else. You know, it doesn't mean being obnoxious or pushy. After all, shine too bright and you might blind somebody. Pour out too much salt and you'll scorch people's taste buds. Our soup later today is perfectly seasoned, by the way. You know, you don't want your guests to spit it out. You don't want people to not come back for seconds. But Jesus gives a good guideline. You know, he says, let your light shine before others. Let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Notice the approach. Notice Jesus' approach. You know, it's not a threat. Turn to Jesus or burn forever. Bulb's a little too hot there, I think. It's also not advice. Your life is a mess. You really need to get your act together and go to church. It might be true. It might be completely true. But it might come off as a little salty. No, Jesus says. Point to this thing in your life, this good thing that you've done, or been enabled to do, your good works, or maybe even more likely, this good thing that's happened to you. Tell other people why you're able to do this thing. Why you serve at the soup kitchen or why your church has a soup kitchen in the first place. The surprising feeling of forgiveness you have that's helped 
you forgive others, the strength that you've been given to make it through your grief, the fact that your kids are loved and accepted, that you're loved and accepted for who you are, perfectly by God, however imperfectly by the church. Jesus says, point to it and say, I think it's God at work. Here's how it changed my life. And I'd love you to discover this for yourself. I'd love you to come to our small group. I'd love you to come to church one day. It's really helped me. I really think it might help you too. This is what we call testimony. It's what we mean when we talk about giving God the glory. Letting our light shine before others so they too can catch sight of the truth, beauty, and goodness of the gospel. Not to coerce people into believing, but so they too can get a glimpse of the glory of God, the light that shines in the darkness that no darkness can ever overcome. Let your light shine before others and give glory to your God, your Father in heaven. Like the chef said, the nature of salt is generosity, and lamps are meant to shine. Our true purpose, the true purpose in your life and mine, is to glorify and enjoy God forever. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, not mine. Make me an instrument of thy peace, to let the light at the heart of the cosmos shine through you, to give the world a taste of the food that truly satisfies, a world that is so hungry for the grace of God. Without God, we're just another mineral in the universe, full of them. A flashlight without batteries. But with God, hey, you are the salt of the earth. With God, you are the light of the world. You're front and center in a five-star banquet booked for all eternity. God's the main course. All you got to do is stay salty. Jesus gave you the light. All you got to do is shine. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. Let your light shine. May it be so. Amen.